Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable. Comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Today's topic is sex work. I'll be talking to Heidi and Heidi is a 30-year-old queer woman and she has been a sex worker for on and off for about the last 10 years. Now, originally, Heidi was drawn to the double life that sex work provided and she found it a useful tool to quit the nine to five work that she had a hard time committing to. Now she uses it as a way to support herself while she grows her own business. Heidi is lucky to have found empowerment, boundary setting and financial independence through the many lessons sex working has provided. And she's currently writing a chapbook of all of her experiences. This is a great episode with some adult language. As always, I hope that you find some empowerment while listening. But make sure that you pop those headphones on. for joining me on Uncomfortable. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. This is a topic that, I won't lie, it's something I considered many years ago. Mm. Hopefully my parents won't listen to this. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So just mere, mostly curious. I was just curious about, you know, could I really do it? Could I go through with it? because I lived on my own. Vancouver's an expensive place to live. Mm. And yeah, Craigslist still had, you know, its personals. Mm. And I kind of scrolled through just curious to see what other people put out there. So it's something that's always intrigued me. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about your story and how you came about (laughs) being a sugar baby. (laughs) Well, so I've been doing... um, sex work off and on for 10 years and sugar I don't know the correct term but being well sir being a sugar baby was kind of like an easy way for me to um, get involved I actually started working at a massage parlor when I was younger but it wasn't really the best fit for me and the way it was managed I was just didn't agree with it so um, I kind of turned to the online marketplace let's say Mm -hmm. and I found a website called Seeking Arrangement um, and just from there like created a profile and was just really interested too because I'm just (laughs) it might sound weird but I'm just interested in people and their experiences and people that I wouldn't normally meet and definitely drawn to people with money um, social status and security uh, especially when I was younger I mean now I feel much more independent and able to think for myself but Mm -hmm. That was very attractive to me when I was younger. How um, old were you? I think so. How old am I now? I'm 30 now. So, I yeah, I guess I started when I was around 20. Okay. Yeah. 
Wow. And so that does seem pretty young to me now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And at the time, was it was that decision driven by money or was it just the fact you had worked in the massage um, parlor and thought, hmm, I could explore the other side of this? Or was it curiosity? I think it was both. Get um, Originally getting into any kind of sex work was the money. Mm-hmm. I was working like kind of a shitty job. I uh, didn't feel appreciated, didn't feel seen at all. So this was a weird way for me to feel like to feel good because I had people constantly telling me that I was doing a good job. I could be validated by getting someone off um, and then getting into like being a sugar baby. It just felt safer for me and it felt like more of more in, in line with what I wanted because I was more interested in having, let's say like um like a relationship with someone even if it's like a re- not a conventional relationship yeah. but having some kind of connection instead of like an endless stream of weird or random people yeah. <laughs> which I imagine happens oh yeah for sure yeah. <laughs> definitely <laughs> but you get used to it yeah <laughs> So how did you go about finding that kind of first, you know, sugar daddy, sugar baby relationship and how long did it last? Um, so I remember clearly my first one in Vancouver, but I started somewhere else where I was living, but maybe I'll start with my Vancouver one. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just online using a website. You create a profile, you look through it, you get a lot of weird messages from people. You have to go through, kind of see who you think it's going to be worth your time because it's like so many of those people would love to just like, I don't know, creep on you and be weird. And yeah. yeah, And it's like, we're all open about what the, what that is, but it's like, you have to have someone that's respectful. Mm -hmm. That seems kind. I want someone with a sense of humor. I want to actually be able to enjoy some of my time, you know, with someone. Cause really like, why else would I, well, you're also investing in this in yeah. a week, right like mm-hmm. it's your time it's your body Plus, and if you're yeah. gonna be seen out in public with someone mm. it, I did it when I first started I would be I would say like oh yeah it's fine let's meet recall and then you're embarrassed you're looking around mm. you feel ashamed you wonder if someone you know is gonna come up and ask you like what are you doing with this old man like <laughs> yeah I know. Oh, now this is I'm like dad no. <laughs> I would never <laughs> no never <laughs> say that but like, um but yeah, you just, you kind of learn as you go too. Mm-hmm. And did you ever have any of those awkward encounters where you came across a friend or a relative um, and when you were out? No. No. I, surprisingly, okay. no. Just because usually, I mean, yes, I, w- I remember going, I was going for a walk. Usually you try to avoid certain areas. Mm-hmm. Like that's the main thing. Just mm-hmm. be, you know, don't go to the bar where all your friends are going to hang out because that's going to cause an issue. Yeah. Like, but also now it, now I'm just much more confident in my ability to choose this line of work so my close friends know what I do so they would never come up and be like who's this guy Mm, you know they'd be like oh hi nice to meet you blah 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 Um, and I just feel more confident in my ability to choose what I do so if someone has a problem with it then that's their problem yeah Fair enough. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Which feels nice to say now, <laughs> but it wasn't always like that. <laughs> now, like when you ever had your first encounter, whether it was one of the long term relationships or or something very short, how like comfortable did you feel in that moment or how uncomfortable did you feel? It's in that honestly, moment? it's kind of just like a first date. Oh, it's yeah. really like you're both nervous. You both aren't quite sure what to expect. But the good thing about like a relationship like that is usually at least for me I would 
not in the beginning, but as I learned and went on, you have to talk about like what your expectations mm -hmm. are going into it. Otherwise, someone's going to be disappointed. Yeah. You know? Which almost sounds like any relationship, yeah. right? But it's, yeah, it's just more, I don't know, they ask, it's like you're asked of more upfront, mm -hmm. which is nice. I really like that. Um, and how are you setting boundaries with places you wouldn't go and things that you wouldn't do? Like physical places or just like what I would? Um, um, you, yeah, even like in the bedroom. I think in the beginning I was just very open and it was more like an exploratory thing and it was mm -hmm. also just like I didn't understand the power dynamics. I thought that because someone was paying me for my time I had to do what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I understand as a woman in this industry I have a lot of the power mm -hmm. which feels good. Yeah. Um, and I have, and now I think it's just been throughout the years, figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Like mm -hmm. if someone, if I agree to do something that I don't want to do, I end up feeling like shit afterwards. Mm -hmm. I'm the one dealing with these negative, like mental repercussions. They go off, they're fine. Yeah. They paid, they're probably like living their life, whatever. Um, so it really just became, it came down to like a matter of protecting my own mental health. Mm -hmm. And like, that's where I needed to set boundaries. So it's like, if I feel uncomfortable, that's a red flag for me. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, just take a second. Why am I feeling uncomfortable? What can I do to change this? Can I say something? Can we like switch what's going on? Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah, but like I always use like physical like boundaries. Like I'll always use protection. If someone's pushing that on me, then it's like, I'm never gonna mm -hmm. talk to you. You know, it's like, yeah. that's not what? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's not only putting me in at risk, but it's also putting the, the themselves. Like it doesn't make any sense doesn't make any sense but when people are horny they usually don't make sense so. yeah that's true yeah <laughs> sex can do the strangest things to yeah. us at some at times <laughs> now when you did first kind of get into that sugar daddy sugar baby dynamic was that long term that relationship like how long do you kind of see the person or agree to to see the person i think it definitely depends on mm. the two people that are involved two or three people like could be more um than one sugar baby kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've had some long-term relationships mm -hmm. and I've gone traveling. I've gone oh, wow. traveling out of the country with people. So that, inquire, that like, requires a lot of trust, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, it just depends. It's like, okay, do you want to see someone once a week? Does that work for both your mm -hmm. schedules? Once a month, maybe someone doesn't live in the area and they're traveling through. Yeah. So it's all kinds of, that's the thing. It's like an arrangement, right? Yeah. So it's like you figure out what best works for you, for each other, and then. Yeah, you know. I mean, that makes sense. Weird question. Is there mm. ever a written contract? Oh my God. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I was like, like, no, because no, no, I've never had one, but also okay. I really doubt that anyone would want to mm. enter into something mm. like that to have their name publicly, like, yeah. unless, let's say, it's like, someone that asks me for an NDA mm. like who knows maybe it's right. like someone of a high like business yeah or person. someone that like is really doesn't want something bad to happen or for me to say something mm. or I could see like yeah. that happening but I've never been asked that. okay yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious yeah. one of those things I've always <laughs> wondered like is there a contract oh my gosh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. verbal but I don't know, I don't know. yeah <laughs> fair enough I guess like if you get into a situation you really don't want to be in you want to have the best mm -hmm. exit strategy mm -hmm. possible. Has that ever happened where you've had to kind of turn around and say to the person, you know what, I know we had an agreement, but I no longer feel 
safe or comfortable in this situation. Yeah, I'm trying to think because it differs. It differs in mm. like the sex work that I do and like sugar baby stuff. Because if I'm working as a sugar baby, I feel um, hmm, it's easier for me to just up and leave. Mm. If it's in, if I'm say going to someone's hotel room at like midnight, it's yes, I completely have the agency to leave but it's more like my safety feels like a bit more at risk mm. because I'm not immediately okay. agreeing with what they paid me to do you know right but it's like of course I'll always put myself first yeah yeah and uh, there's definitely been times where I just like someone's in the bathroom and I leave because uh, I don't feel comfortable yeah and that's happened before so you're with um, for the sex work you're with an agency uh, no that's more so like massage that's in the massage parlor mm. but then because I have an ad online um and i do other like i do full like um full service sometimes encompassing in that massage mm. parlor ad okay. so sometimes i get out calls which i'll, I'll only do to hotels right. okay. and like nice hotels in downtown vancouver okay. not like a motel on the yeah. side of like the highway yeah because <laughs> that's where i'll die like, no, yeah, no, yeah, but, i know but, right yeah, we yeah. don't want that no. to happen yeah. yeah so i mean that does bring up the safety factor and you know mm. the different things that you do to kind of make sure you do feel safe in a situation so mm. you just talked of some of them like you know making sure that you're downtown it's a mm. reputable hotel that you're going to is there any other things you have to think about when you're kind of getting ready to go out and meet a client i mean i think it's just being aware that violence against women happens all the time mm -hmm. and violence against sex workers is even more prevalent mm -hmm. so it's something that it's like a very real part of the job mm. But yet I continue to do it, you know, so it's like I've kind of I protect myself as much as I can, like in the case of like how to physically protect myself against STDs, um, about like getting checkups uh, like often. Um, and then it's just like the vetting process is the main form of like precautionary mm -hmm. safety that I can do is. And that's like when people contact me, I have to talk to them, see mm -hmm. how they communicate with me, get as many details from them as I can. Um, organized to meet like in like a safe environment mm -hmm. so that's like if it's at the massage parlor or if it's I'm like, meeting like a sugar daddy it's obviously somewhere like well, there's lots of people around um, but it is I think there's certain laws now that have been like I don't know if you know anything about the SESTA FOSTA no. bill that was packaged no. so yeah so SESTA stands for Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act and FOSTA stands for I wrote it down Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, okay. and it was originally this package bill that was um, set to kind of uh, stop sex trafficking and hold websites accountable um, for mm -hmm. user-generated content. So there's a website, Backpage.com, which used to exist in the States, or I don't know if they exist under a certain different name now, but um, there is a mother of a, mm, a trafficked child who sued them because she found this ad and there was this whole ongoing uh, like court deal that was going on. Anyways, so now basically websites are being held accountable mm -hmm. for content that their users are posting online. So Craigslist Personals pulled mm -hmm. a bunch of their stuff. So that was the reason why? Ah, Facebook, okay. Facebook, okay. Instagram, a lot of the big tech sites changed some of their user guidelines. So it's, it's effectively 
I haven't read much into if it's actually been helping mm. the sex trafficking, but it's been a huge detriment to the sex worker industry mm. and forced sex workers who normally have safer places to vet clients online okay. or to talk to each other online. Um, and it's like just further marginalized that community. Yeah. So it's actually like people have actually seen like higher spikes in violence against women in certain oh. areas where they can't, you know, it's like if you can't do your work in a safe spot here, but you still need this work to survive, mm. you're going to go down to the lower, less safe option. Right. And people will come out and take advantage of you because of that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like, what's your thoughts on sex work being legalized? I don't think legalized. I think decriminalized. Mm. Decriminalized with like regulatory uh, frameworks in place that help that and like more peer-driven resources, because <laughs> I mean it's just I feel like a lot of the times if if you were to legalize sex work that would give um, the state or the government more ways to kind of control things mm -hmm. and for decriminalization it's just almost globally and like unanimous how do you say that word unanimously unanimously <laughs> sex that's what sex workers want hmm. because it's like they have more power that way yeah and it's just like something needs to change like right now in Canada and uh in it's we're under something called the Nordic or Swedish model mm. of sex work and it's basically we're treated like criminals mm -hmm. like we have very little access to uh health and safety issues and because of the stigma because of all of this it's like it's it's hard it's really hard yeah. and i'm like a lucky one i'm like a white like cis woman mm -hmm. who works indoors like i don't see a lot of the shit that actually goes on yeah. so yeah yeah wow so let's lighten it up i know <laughs> yeah, that's very heavy but it's important stuff but i'm yeah. gonna ask you just a wee bit more kind of personal information about okay. your experience um which i mean i guess depending on how you want to define the word strange mm. I'm wondering what kind of one of the strangest experiences has so you know it could be oh something that was <laughs> hilarious to tell people or was there something ever that was kind of so strange you felt unsafe Def oh my god I, I feel like every I have so many honestly so <laughs> many strange experiences but maybe that's what keeps me coming back like it's yeah. just like I like that kind of I don't know it's like I like weird yeah. experiences that I feel like I would never normally have you know so it, it does open up a certain world mm -hmm. and um, as long as I'm like feel safe and that's okay but yeah. yes there are definitely been negative times but maybe one of the more positive notes I can think of is I had seen someone working I was sent to photograph an event and I saw someone working there and I thought he was really cute and then we talked for a little bit and I was mad when I left I was like oh I should have got his number um but then later, like a week later, I was working at the massage place and he came in, like he booked an appointment not knowing. So we were just like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> and like, obviously very like attracted to both, like to yeah. one another. So we're like, all right. So we had a session and then, and then we started dating. <laughs> but like, it was kind of amazing because we both really wanted to try a polyamorous, like an open mm -hmm. relationship. And he had dabbled in sex work, and this was my first relationship as a sex worker being open okay. about it. Because, like, I had, if I was ever in, like, a full committed relationship, I would stop. Yeah. But I've definitely, like, dated people and, like, every now and then, but then still continued on working. Mm -hmm. And not told these people because I yeah. didn't know. This is when I was younger. I just didn't know yeah. how. I, didn't I mean, have, that like, would be a hard conversation to have, right? You, I think you have to be really, like, 
better tell people before anything because otherwise yeah. they're going to feel like cheated or lied to. Yeah. So. Yeah. So now it's, yeah, I feel much more comfortable, but it's just so fun. Him yeah. and I, we're not together anymore. We're still friends, but yeah. it just, like, it wasn't, we didn't, we wrote it out for as long Aww. as we could. Hey, that's but fun. And at least, like, it was uh, on the table, but you didn't even have to have that conversation, right? It was pretty Which amazing. Was probably a big relief. It was pretty cool. But it was yeah. also, like, me learning how to navigate, both of us learning how to navigate, how to talk to each other openly mm. about sex sex with other people having feelings and I think like the polyamory aspect really helped like get us talking about yeah. things yeah yeah interesting <laughs> I actually just did an episode a couple of weeks back on ethical non-monogamous oh, yeah. relationships mm. and that was yeah that was a really fun conversation I so <laughs> I love hearing that other people are kind of exploring that world that's very cool mm -hmm. uh, what aspects of being a sex worker do you actually enjoy because you keep <laughs> coming back to it so there must be something <laughs> I mean okay well there's there's a lot like when I'm like in the happy place of like mm -hmm. working that kind of work uh, there's a lot that I actually really enjoy I think one of the main things is helping people like just having like intimate connections with people even mm -hmm. if other people may say oh it's feigned intimacy it's only like an hour how can you really know someone you don't have to really know someone mm -hmm. to like look at someone and like real I don't know look at someone and decide to find something beautiful about them and just like honor that mm -hmm. and just like have you know like everyone wants to feel loved everyone needs yeah. to feel the human touch to feel good like I don't know I get a lot of satisfaction out of that mm -hmm. because I'm getting it back too yeah you know? and yeah. then it's the free it's the agency it's like setting my own hours mm -hmm. um, working independently right now but also because of the place that I work out of at the massage parlor I work with some really amazing women from all different walks of life yeah. who have had so many different experiences than me, but it's really great that we can like pool our resources together and, yeah. you know, and talk and share experiences. And then, and I mean, the money is nice because it's, I can make it like it's reliable Yeah. in a sense, as provided it's not like right after Christmas and people don't want to, like there are slow periods, Yeah. but other than that, it's usually pretty yeah. steady. And I like to have sex. And I've learned a lot over the years, so you know, it's like you learn what works, and it's good. Like I learn how more easily, like how to read people, mm. um, and I like doing it. Like I like, I don't know. It's like my friends sometimes are like, "What? You get naked in front of strangers?" I'm like, "Once you do it, for, like yeah. once you do it, you're used to it. Yeah, it's totally fine." It's and like then nothing. Exactly. It's really. Not. And do you find um, you've kind of. I'm trying to think how to ask this, but <laughs> I'm assuming, and this is just me assuming, like probably the pre, you know, 20 year old maybe didn't explore sex as much, mm -hmm. but this has actually made you explore it probably more than you ever thought you ever would. Yeah. And therefore maybe found different things that you're like, oh, oh my I God. quite like that. Yeah. Like in the last year, I just discovered, I just learned what prostate massage was. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know what that was. Now I do, and now I can charge for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's I yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, I've also like That's played it. around with like um, working as a dominatrix briefly mm. because someone came through the massage place and asked if I was interested in that, and I said, you know, what? I'm not sure, but if you want to yeah. like walk me through it, and so we did, and that was, it's just yeah, it's 
I think it lets you kind of realize that there's so many different like sexual right. desires out there and everyone is different and as long yeah. as it's consensual and not crossing any like perverse boundaries that I would not go you know yeah. I have a problem with then it's like why not yeah I'm very much like that in all aspects of my life but, you know, it's like, well, so that's why it works for me it's not yeah. gonna work for everyone yeah no that's fair enough it always like I think one of my earliest kind of memories of watching something on tv to do with sex work was um and I need to try and remember the name of the show mm. Diary of a London Call Girl oh yeah okay with Billy Piper and um, yeah show. it was so good it was so good and I'm t- I can't remember when I watched that. Like, it must have been late teens. Oh, really? Or maybe it was early 20s. I mean, it was early 20s. I'm trying to remember when I watched it. But it was a great show. And I remember the one where she actually, someone asks her if she'll do the dominatrix mm, thing. And mm-hmm, yeah. she's all dressed up and she's making the guy scrub the toilet with a toothbrush <laughs> and stuff like that. And, but that's what he wanted. That was his thing. And I was like, that's kind of interesting, know, right? It's, I know. It's kind of strange. Have you ever had like a situation where the person doesn't actually want to have sex with you? They maybe just want to be controlled in some sort of yeah. like other way. Is that quite common? I just want to say that that show is great, but also gla- completely glamorizes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I like, bet. There's that's yeah. why I like it because I'm like, oh wow, this is like the best like years of this is like just handpicked best moments of my career. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's not every it's not not every like day that. is oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, that's why it's TV. Exactly. <laughs> um, but some people don't realize that. Um, yeah, I don't know how common it is just because I don't mainly advertise mm. as such. Like, if I did, I just, I think some of that work can be pretty draining. Mm. It's just because I am also just naturally submissive. Yeah. I think, yes, in certain situations, like, I need to, just because I say I'm submissive doesn't mean that I, like, don't like to be in charge. It's just, yeah. like, it's a more easy role for me to kind of fit into. Um, but, yeah, I've done stuff where I haven't had sex with people and it's been more, like... <laughs> like uh, what the fuck is it called when you like um not spank people but you use like poles oh, or like whips or like thing yeah or flogging okay. until like they bleed like some guy oh, asked me that and he was like a high profile like someone who made money a lot of money and I think it was it's more of like an escape it's like mm. them trading you yeah. know that power to be utterly helpless yeah. in a way I can I can totally see that like it yeah. makes sense for someone probably in a like high demanding job who's a lot of responsibility kind yeah. of being into that yeah. yeah yeah I was just always interested like is that really I didn't know if it was just you know the TV show or like oh hey, yeah I think there's the a lot of people where... into it but just I'm not a privy, yeah. privy to the whole yeah. whole world yeah. like I didn't even remember <laughs> what it was called so clearly I've done it a lot of times like no fair <laughs> enough fair enough now when you you said you have some close friends who know what mm. you do mm. um how was that conversation kind of telling them what was that like I think it just started because I was tired because you have to lie otherwise mm. and I'm like that's this is not who I am yeah if I'm gonna have friends they have to be we have to know about each other's lives that's the yeah. whole point so it's really just like finding the friends that you are closest with and that you trust and that you know will have your back and won't judge you. Yeah. Um, and I think it was just pretty frank. It was just like so... Because it's also been a part of like me for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's like... And they know how I am anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, they know I'm like in Sex in the City where like... If I was one of the people, I would be Samantha. Like, yeah. I'm just, like, out there and, yeah. I think that's the only one you would want to be. I'm so, like, I don't want to be Carrie or, yeah, Charlotte, no yeah, thanks. Yeah. Miranda, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
I wouldn't want to be a lawyer, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just very frank, and uh, I think it just said, you know, like, I've been, uh, I, I've been working as a sex worker. Because I was in a relationship, so I stopped hmm. for a while. Um, and then I went back to it, and then I quit my job, and I was making all these right. life changes. So then I just felt, like, really more certain about, like, I'm doing this, and mm -hmm. I feel okay about it. And so I hope you do, too, kind of thing. Okay. And what was their reaction? completely fine a lot of questions mm. like obviously because some of them are like your best friends like, what how long you know they want to know yeah. all of the, like the juicy <laughs> gossip details and I'm like if you want to know I'll tell you so yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> and what about family is it mm. something you don't even go there family is a hard one for me I'm really close with my family mm. um, but I'm not anywhere near the point my dad is very old-fashioned mm. and I think that would probably like that would take a lot of uh, education and explaining and I'm just like not ready for all that like yeah. emotional labor honestly my mom would be more understanding I think but I uh, I don't know and I mm. yeah I'm just I'm not ready and I think uh, the big reason I'm not ready is because it is so stigmatized and yeah. because it is a misunderstood and I just would never want my parents to feel like they failed doing something as parents. Mm. It's like, it's completely always been my choice. Yeah. And usually coming from like a place of like me wanting to do something that's making me feel good mm -hmm. about myself and my life and being financially independent. And yeah. And I mean, yeah. I mean, it brings me to like a really good point. Why do you think it has been so stigmatized and what can we do to change that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's been stigmatized at a cultural level, mm -hmm. but then also because of the policies and just the laws that surround it make it very difficult for people to freely talk about it because we're essentially criminalized, like under this mm -hmm. model that exists now. So, of course, you can't. And, and it's, I don't know, it deals a lot with migration and marginalized communities that are easy made easier for like certain people to take advantage of yeah. um but i mean also just we as a, as a society we've been getting better about talking about sex and talking about like the different versions of what sex means to other people mm -hmm. but like mainly it's been like this patriarchal view of like sex for pleasure is like a man's domain yeah and so now it's you know it's like only now are we being able to like freely openly talk about like women yeah. orgasms female ejaculation yeah. like all of these things so i think uh <laughs> i don't even know if i can say like we're getting there i mean because it, it it's does like deal with equality a lot as well yeah it's like kind of slowly we're getting there but really fucking slowly yeah yeah really slowly, really yeah. slowly which is too bad and like yeah. what do you think could change that have you ever thought about you know some sort of being, I hate the word coach. I'm mm. trying to think of a better word other than being like a coach. But, you know, be going out there and talking to other communities and groups about this and trying to, you know, do something to destigmatize mm. it. Mm -hmm. I think um, you need to ask that of people who are in the position to be able to talk about it. Because, mm -hmm. like, I potentially I could mm -hmm. because I, I run my own business. Yes, so that would be like maybe a liability to me but mm. I'm not immediately threatened by anything if I'm to tell people openly like I'm a sex worker mm -hmm. you know but there are some people who cannot do that for fear of 
mm-hmm. violence or abuse or like death threats or being you know anything yeah. um but I think the main one of the main things that what we need is just like for any kind of like legislative action is to su- is to talk to sex workers and talk to peer led like sex worker resources mm-hmm. because or organizations because a lot of times laws are being made and like the SESTA FOSTA bills and they were no one is like trying to talk to the people that is going to affect the most mm-hmm. you know and that one that those bills were kind of messed up in the case that it was trying to do one thing and perhaps it's helping this one community but yeah. it's also really decimating another community when those I don't know how much like you know you know about how those kind of bills came into place but mm-hmm. I'm curious to know were they put together by people from the industry no, or was no. it just a bunch of and there government was a bipartisan employees oh, yeah. Okay. yeah yeah one was from the senate and the other was from I have wait there it well okay so basically, it's like a renewed bipartisan assault on sex workers' speech and survival when that when those bills passed, and it was aimed to curb sex trafficking. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, when things like that come into place, it's really it's so much more powerful when it's actually people from the industry who are driving driving it, of right? Course. Because they understand the needs and and what needs to change and what needs to happen and yeah. what communities could be affected by what, right? Yes, but because of the stigma, mm-hmm. sometimes people don't even feel like they have mm. human rights in that case, yeah. you know. So it's really yeah. it's kind of messed up. Yeah. It's like this terrible cycle. And yeah. if you fully like, if you persecute someone under the laws of um, sex work like if you come after someone let's say how are they supposed to, and now they have a criminal record like how are they supposed to enter re-enter mm-hmm. the legal workforce mm-hmm. you know yeah like, yeah that's it's not a great model <laughs> no it's not at all well hopefully it changes thank you so much for this <laughs> yeah. conversation is there yeah, anything else you. you would like to add um, before we wrap up I would just say that you need to realize that like anyone needs to realize that sex work is work mm. and that people no matter who they are what race they are what sexual orientation they are however they identify it's like they deserve to be respected and sex workers lives are no less valuable than anyone else's yeah awesome thanks well thank you thanks. thank you so much Heidi. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. I definitely hope that episode was educational for you. Now, if you did enjoy our conversation, then make sure that you let us know in the comment section on our website, uncomfortable.blog, or on any of our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram at uncomfortable.blog and Twitter at uncomfy underscore podcast. Now you can support our podcast by signing up to be a patron and pledging as little as $2 US per month so that we can keep this podcast running. We want to continue having these uncomfortable conversations. So please help us do that. To find out more, you can visit uncomfortable.blog forward slash donate. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Now go forth and get uncomfortable. Uncomfortable.